Bruising Banner Podcast. Banner Podcast. Bruising Banner Podcast. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to Bruising Banner Podcast. I'm your host, Rob G. And with me, as always, is the legendary Brew Crew. What up, fellas? I got water, I got, you know, juice or whatever. Like, y'all need twin legs? <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, I do. Everybody is. Does the Uber have actual culture? This is the podcast that we talk about beer, but we also talk about a lot of things that's happening in the world, politics, movies, anything really that comes to our mind while we're here. Sam one these brews, grab a drink, and pull up a chair. <laughs> I just want to say rest in peace to uh, PNB Rock as well as they um, lost a, uh, a frat brother here over the weekend as well uh, from our chapter. So, um, uh, cancer is crazy, but I know everybody knows that PNB Rock was tragically struck down um, at, on a robbery uh, in uh, California. Uh, uh, but I don't want to get too somber. So, uh, uh, what up, what up, what up? Welcome to Bruising Banter Podcast, where the topic is the rocking and the brew. Well, that'd be the fuel, and I'm your host, Rob G. And with me, as always, the legendary brew crew. What's going on, fellas? Hey, hey. What up? What's going on, everyone? Hi. How y'all doing today? All right, all right. This doing is great, uh, episode Glad 179 of Bruising Banter Podcast. If this is your first time uh, with us, uh, welcome. Uh, if it's uh, your returning guest, if you're a returning <laughs> listener, uh, thank you for uh, rocking with us for these last... 179 <laughs> episodes actually probably a little more if you count, count the other uh other joints yeah. out there in the world side side shows mm-hmm. <laughs> uh mm. yeah yeah the side shows and the, the, the special things but we do have a special guest with us uh this evening or this afternoon or this morning evening. you're listening whenever you watch like it. it i like it right 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 not this evening though this, this evening? evening this evening <laughs> how about evening not this evening mm-hmm. uh, uh, we have uh, michael stein from uh the lost loggers if, if you're not familiar it lost is a Loggers. um i guess a beverage consult a beer historian that's what he is and he'll go tell us a lot more about what lost loggers does so without further ado i'm going to bring in mike to the Podcast and I find my stream button. There you go. All right. Welcome, yeah. welcome, 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 Mike. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me. Um, so, just by way of introduction, I'll say, yeah. So, my name is Michael Stein. I am a beer historian. Uh, my beverage research firm is Lost Loggers. You know, the whole idea behind Lost Loggers is that. History can be dry and boring, uh, but we like to make it, you know, bubbly, wet, effervescent, and interesting. Mm. Um, and I have to say, I, I, I was just telling uh, uh, Rob before the show, um, you know, I just subs- hit that subscribe button to the podcast. Um, y'all really get into history. Uh, there's no mm-hmm. shortage of history throughout the 
179 episodes, so I am <laughs> super pumped to be here. Yeah. Good. Good looking uh-huh. out. Nice. We're making and we're making history today. Cheers. You're a part of that. Cheers to that. But before we get into all, before we, before we get into all of it, we always like to know what we are drinking on. So, what are we drinking today? We always start with our guests. So, Mike, what are you drinking on today? Yes, I am drinking Tailwagger by Joyhound Beer Company. Oh, nice. uh, Joyhound Beer Company is a. Uh, uh, baby brewery, two years old. Uh, I think that's right. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. But it is it is a black-owned brewery out of Maryland. Um, I spent some time uh, interviewing uh, Alfred uh, Rotimi, who is the owner. Um, so he's a contract brewer, and um, his beers are coming out of Maryland. This one was nice. brewed by uh, PSA, which is short for the Pratt Street Alehouse which is no longer on Pratt Street, still in Baltimore. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's wild. We, so like 10 years ago, um, we, the DMV, so, uh, you know, I'm in the DC metro area. We didn't have any black owned breweries and now we've got half a dozen, um, I think five contract brew, one brick and mortar with a Patuxent brewing company mm-hmm. out of, uh, like, I think it's, yeah, Maryland. Um, so we've got three in the district. And then a bunch more coming online. So it's an exciting time uh, for beer growth for small and independent brewers, you know, in the D.C. metro Baltimore area. There's one right here. What, yeah, what's everybody yeah, else? There Kofa. you go. Oh, Kofa. My buddies, Kofi mm-hmm. and Amato. Good, good, good group of people running Sankofa Beer Company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. All right. Uh, yo, what you drinking on? Look at that thing. Look thick. <laughs> yo, that's right here. That's, that's not that, here. <laughs> that sweet tooth I had today. So yeah, I went to, to um <laughs> <laughs> so I got me a smoogie. Okay, okay. You can see that smoogie from uh imprint. You know mm-hmm. they're known for their smoogie beers. This is a, a mango peach uh sour. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that's what you would call them, sours. Mm-hmm. But this, yeah, yeah, this is very thick, right? <laughs> yeah. Very, very. It's like thick. you gotta put it through the through the dishwasher like twice. The cup, don't let that sit in your glass. Right? No, don't no let that marinate. Not immediately. It's like it's like crazy thick, but of course yes. it's, it's it's real. It's it's real uh, mangoish. I don't mango-ish. really taste. I don't know how you could do like peach and mango and be successful with making them taste like both. Yeah, mm. how you how you can distinguish yeah. the flavors? Yeah, it's kind of similar just, a little yeah, bit. Because yeah, it's like a, a mango is like a tropical peach. Yeah, you should just pick one or the other. But right. it, either way, they're good fruit. So, I mean, either yeah. way, it tastes good to me. So, <laughs> so you know, I always pass me another one of these. So just for the people that don't don't know, they put real, uh, like a real fruit is real puree, puree. or is it uh, mm-hmm. fresh yeah. fruit? Like, how do you know? I think it's pure. I want to say it's puree. It is puree. I want to say, okay. if I remember correctly. It's got to be, yeah. But, yo, look at this. Look at this. It's like they go hard, man. It's like like normal people put like five pounds per gallon. They put like 20. Look at this. 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 Okay. Uh, right, <laughs> International. What are you drinking on, Lou? Uh, today I have uh, Iron Hill Brewery. Uh, they are local uh, to Delaware, but they brewed out of Exton, PA. 
Uh, this is the Pogue Champ Kettle Sour. You guys see all that stuff that's going on in there? Let me turn it all the way around. A cat? It is a cat. He's playing like uh, he's playing poker or something. He got chips in this chips oh, over yeah, there. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot going on. Pogue Champ Kettle Kettle Sour. It's a sour, guys. It uh, it has uh, flavors of passion fruit, guava, and orange. I smell grapefruit. Uh, I was expecting grapefruit, but it's, it don't taste like grapefruit. It tastes like um, a tampered down sour. You know how you got all the fruit forward and flavors, but it's not. It don't hit you in the back of your neck. Mm. Okay. With the sour, the sour tartness. You know what I mean? Wait, really, so is it sweet? It's mellow. It's sweet, but it's it's more mellow than the sours that that okay. we're used to. You know what I mean? So I think that's where the kettle part comes from. I'm not sure, but I'm gonna just guess and say that I'm right. <laughs> um, but this is what it looks like in the in the glass, uh, mm-hmm. yellow, like mm-hmm. grape, almost like grapefruit, but yeah, passion fruit mm-hmm. and orange. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, okay. it tastes delicious, guys. So pass me yes. another. I, I really like. Burn, burn, burn. Mm-hmm. Does anybody know? I know Iron Hill Brewery has a lot of different restaurants, but do they they brew at every restaurant, right? Yeah, yeah so. I'm almost certain they yeah. do. Yeah. So yeah. when it says brewed at this particular, it'll say it is specific to that that yeah, restaurant. Yeah, okay, yeah. thank yeah. you. Guys. I, I had like a Mexican like lemongrass like lager or something, but it wasn't from a Iron Hill Brewery local. Mm-hmm. Where did I even get that from? But it I wonder was if they make specific if they're specific like PA. The head brewers at the specific brewery, uh, specific it's, restaurants make different beer. You know what I mean? I think so. I wonder if they're all on the same page with. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Right, well, yep. We'll, we'll get on. on here and uh, see. I, I did reach out to him. So, hey. Hey. Yeah, coming soon. There you go. Um, yeah, it's nice. That's all right, nice. All right, yes. Yeah, all right, Dev, what you drinking on? I am drinking on a collab beer, collab brew. I'm drinking on the uh, Maximum Duplicity Golden Oatmeal Stout. Mm. Um, this collab is. From Mac Brewing and Human Robot, mm-hmm. I made it to uh, Philly yesterday for a festival and ran into Dave Mac, um, and got a chance to sample it for the first time. He told me, you know, you guys had already uh, sampled it and tasted it at the uh, at the uh, beer festival at mm-hmm. Barrel and Flow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was definitely ready to crack a can. He gave me one cold right out of the out of the cooler, and nice. I took my other four pack, you know, back to the car. But uh, this is coming in at 11.5%. For our listeners, our viewers, uh, Dave Mack is an um, uh, independent or home brewer. Um, so he doesn't have a brick and mortar, but he's out of, I think he's from West Philly, I think. Just but, say uh, Philly. Philly. Um, and Human <laughs> Robot is in uh, Jingentown, Jingen I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so two great, uh, uh, two great uh, the brewers, brewing companies. And the artwork just happened to also meet the artist there yesterday that did the artwork. Nice. Uh, Tame nice. Arts, he was there. Uh, so if you see the can is decorated with some good Philly art on there, you see the uh, the love symbol or yeah. so the love art right here. Mm-hmm. You got the uh, mm-hmm. the bridge in the background. I think that's the Walt Whitman. I think that's the Walt Whitman. Is or it? Ben Franklin. That's Ben Franklin. Is it the Ben Franklin? That's Ben Franklin. I, I, the you, that's you could say Franklin. whatever one you want. Is that not the Betsy Ross? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the the Tacony Palmer. Uh, and you know they known for the for the for the pretzels, for the pretzels. So they got a little bit of everything. The artwork is dope. But uh, and the cheese stick on there. 
Uh, I might have you know to know why? Because they're not known for the cheesesteak. But not known for the cheesesteak. But as everyone knows, you know the stouts are known to be very dark. Uh, but because this is a golden stout, you're getting that uh, syrupy uh, brown look. It reminds you of like a triple, a tripel, a triple. Yeah, that's the, the, the look of it. But uh, Dave Mack doesn't play when it comes to the ABV, and this is considered low for him at the 11.5. So pass me another. That's true. Yo, I have a question for you, Dev. Yes, yes. Uh where, How you laughing already? <laughs> Where get that glass from? What, you want to tell hey, me it was gifted. It was gifted to me. That glass, that thing so, is huge. You like it? I tried. I was gonna go bigger, but I downsized. <laughs> you got a bigger glass. No, like your hand I came so on small. Look, right, Lou wasn't even paying attention. He was looking at the TV when I first came with this huge, huge glass. Yeah, you glass. had a big giant goblet. But I, 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 I downsized because it was gonna swallow the beer up. The can, the sixteen ounce can wouldn't even have looked right in the, the, the glass I had. Yeah, so I downsized to this one, but my shout out to my uh, good neighbor next door, Jason, who lived in uh, Germany for a while. He bought this glass back and uh, and from Germany, and he gave nice. me his joint. So it looked like the floor, the, the little flower from the Saints. Little if you can see like the writing on the front, you see it says this is a oh, real yeah. tri- this is a real tripel. Um, so that's car caramel out of there. Yeah. You're supposed to drink triple. How do you say that? How do you say it, Mark? Yeah. Mark I know you know it. Uh, yeah, triple caramel. Caramel. And, and, and so it's it's a uh, it's like French. It's Belgian, right? So uh, triple mm-hmm. caramel is a beer brewed in Belgium, but you know it's it's funky in Belgium because they speak uh, Belgian, then they speak French, then they have like uh, uh, Flanders, which is you know it's like a mashup of the two. Um, mm. Yeah, triple caramel. And that is the fleur de lis on that glass. So yeah, oh, that, nice. that glass mm-hmm. is intended for a beer that's like hella carbonated, mm-hmm. where yeah you have like that much beer and poking out at the top, it's just all foam. Yeah, um, you know they come. They used to come. I don't know triple caramelite. I think they might have got bought out by AB InBev or Heineken or somebody. But they used to cork and cage, and in those champagne bottles, you know they get to like over three and a half uh psi and that joint wow. is just like you right. pour a little bit and it's like it's like champagne head. you know right. like yeah, yeah. all head <laughs> got it yeah getting into the history already right. yeah that was dope that was yes. dope yes sir hey rob g yes sir uh, <laughs> what, what are you drinking on this week uh, i'm uh i'm drinking on uh from human robot as well uh since i was there this weekend okay I have uh, the Tin Hoagie. Uh, there it is. Ooh, it's nice. supposed, supposed to look like the uh, wrapper of the of a uh, hoagie, uh, but it is. Oh, I'm great. Say that can ain't got nothing on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's it fresh. Side, That's fresh off. It's like right. Oh, there. I see. Yeah, I see. I have to see the wrapper. Yeah. Okay. Oh, like the little crumble. Like okay, tape. That's yeah. the, oh, that's the tape showing that that shit hoagie. Okay, you, okay. But it, I get it. It is a four percent uh, ABV. Uh, this is up though. American. Oh, American Light Lager. There it is right there. Look at uh, that. In my human robot glass as well. Um, mm-hmm. Not the one I got from yesterday. Yesterday was a, it was a massive. Huge. <laughs> massive glass. Is it, as, is, it as as, is it as thick as that one? Their yes. glasses seem like you could throw them against the wall and they yes. won't break. As thick as that. As thick as that. Let alone somebody's bigger. head. It's four times bigger, but <laughs> as, as thick. It's four times bigger, but as thick. So they were actually trying to hold up those that they had the Stein holding competitions yesterday. Uh, mm. With beer, and I was like, "Ain't no way I could do that," but y'all got it. 
Uh, but this is um, American Light Lager. Um, it has um, uh, American, uh, I think, American grown uh, 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 pills uh, malts, as well as uh, non GMO corn uh, uh, for this. Uh, it's thing. corn. Yeah. So it's uh, so it's actually delicious. Um, everything. I mean, pretty much everything I've taken had had from human lot human robot has been a, a great beer. So uh, without further ado, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to stay past me another for this as well. Nice. And that's a that's a good that's a good beer to sip on all day. The oh, yeah. ABV of it, it's a light lager. Well, that's what they say. It's a good tailgate. No matter beer. what you're doing, it's a good tailgating beer. Nice. Uh, it's football Sunday when we're recording, so it actually all comes together. We have lost lagers on there, so I said, "Let me give me a lager." Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, I, as as we regularly, wait, but is a lost if it's a lost lager? Is it a lager? Mm. Yeah. Well, you know that 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 is the thing. But I'm gonna tell you this about corn. We like to say, uh, "Praise the maize, don't scorn the corn," mm. uh, which is a controversial opinion, believe it or not. I have a good buddy uh, who owns City State Brewing here in DC, and he's just like, "No, corn needs to go. I'll never use corn." That's his opinion. I respect his opinion. He, uh, shout out to James Warner over at City State, but um, you know. We love corn at Lost mm-hmm. Loggers. We're all about it. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. We like nice. corn too. Do they get their corn from Delaware? I don't know. Oh, good question. Because Delaware mm. is a you know the, the stat. I was gonna say the stat is wild. Like out of a hundred percent of corn grown in the U.S., only like five or ten percent is edible, like for food. Right. Mm. Majority of corn production. Right. Like it's it's pretty wild to think about. Right. Like let's say there's a hundred million pounds grown and only like what five million five hundred thousand i'm bad at math but yeah you get the idea <laughs> yeah you get the idea yeah. right out of 25 corn stalks grown only five of them are eaten right yeah that's crazy should be yeah. less crazy yeah. <laughs> you don't like corn? Corn is gross, man. Unless corn. it's tortilla, <laughs> unless it's I just had yeah, corn up in my burrito, boy. I'm in my taco bowl. Like ill. Corn is everybody like corn has no new Corn has no nutritional value. A lot of things don't it, have nutritional it, value. A, right. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a We it's don't a gra- have nutritional it's, value. It's a gra- <laughs> what does it? What does it? Mean? It doesn't have And look, it does a lot more things than corn does to you, though. Like, at least it got TAC in it and CBD in it. Corn don't have nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nobody to make you some you, weed. You corn. eat a bunch of corn and pee, and they won't know. <laughs> won't know you ain't no corn, goddamn. Yeah, that young, it that won't young show man, up. That young man would disagree with you. He says corn is great. Oh yeah, he made a whole song out of it. That song is that song is dope though. Like in the way he praised corn, it made, it made me want to take a bite. But I passed. Yes, I will pass every time. Yeah, I like tort- I like like corn tortillas. I like popcorn. <laughs> Not I like actual. everything but the actual. Hey, like ew. not even corn on the cob, like not, grilled not or like one bite of corn on the cob, like a year, and I spit that out. It t- it looks delicious. <laughs> one like bite of year, salt, the pepper, the butter, it looks so good, man. It's trash. Mexican corn on the cob is amazing. No, no. All right, we're talking about corn. Well, yeah, we we want to know about. Uh, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. <laughs> no, look, free no, flowing right. took us yeah, down the rabbit go. hole. We talked about Let's corn. We here for about two and. Half minutes and little Tariq, little <laughs> Tariq, like loving corn, bro. That was that was amazing. That was that was really good. Well, we do want to get a little more into the uh, uh, who lost loggers are, how how they even come together, and what made them want to uh, even actually research uh, uh, beer and, and be all in the 
nicks and cranny of, uh, yeah, this was uh, first brewed in 1754 uh, <laughs> or right. earlier or earlier probably. Uh, uh, but what? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you all about it. So um, basically starts in D.C. Um, back in. So I first moved to D.C. I'm originally from New York. We moved, I moved to D.C. in 2006. Okay. Um, and the D.C. Homebrewers Club had just started. And so I joined that and I met a lot of like-minded folks who were making beer at home. You know, they lived in the district proper. They lived in Arlington. They lived in Bethesda, Silver Spring. They lived all the way out in Gaithersburg, but they came down for our meetings. And, you know, folks that lived in the district proper had like, you know, a couple hundred square feet. How do I make wonderful beer in a couple hundred square feet? And that, that was the subject of the meeting, right? Like, I don't have a backyard. I don't have room for a kegerator. Like, it was home brewing. So out of the D.C. Homebrewers Club, I met my colleague, Pete Jones, um, and Pete and I together are lost loggers. Um, but basically, we started brewing old recipes and realizing that some things just don't translate. Like, um, you know, let's say it was 2010 and we wanted to brew a beer from 100 years ago from 1910. There was a lot of corn in beer in 1910. <laughs> and so we started messing around with corn, uh, with flake corn. We had, you know, corn, like you were talking about the, the processes, right? Like we love, you might not like corn, but you like tortilla chips. Or you might not like corn, but you love right. a taco, right? Right. With, with a, right? So it gets processed and it's been processed uh, in the U.S. forever, right? Like pre-colonialism, pre, uh, right? It's, it's something that's, that's always been here. Um, but on the Lost Loggers, yeah, it was basically just like out of home brewing, a real interest in history. And then once we started to do it, um, we would serve our beer to commercial brewers. Um, in D.C., we have about a dozen brewers right now. But back then, there were probably only like five or six. And, you know, we brewed a batch of beer. Often we'd have D.C. homebrewer meetings at um, commercial breweries or we'd have them at apartments in people's homes. But we'd take our homebrew, um, you know, to the bar at a happy hour um, and basically just get people interested. I think every brewer, whatever sort of um, operation they're running, contract brewer, small brewer, has an interest in history. Mm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating stuff. You know, beer history is American history. Obviously, you all know I'm preaching to the choir, like black history is American history. Right. And, right. and black history is beer history, right? I feel like I've seen that on a shirt. At, yeah. Yeah, I just, had, Flo I just got it on. I just had it on last episode. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the drought season. Um, is it from? Yeah. 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 And so that's the whole point, right? Like we've been fed lies about beer history, which is, oh, George Washington brewed beer. And it was like, okay, yes, George Washington does have a recipe, but like who was in the kitchen at Mount Vernon? And it was Hercules. Right. Right. Okay. Thomas Jefferson made beer. Okay. But who was in the cellar? who who actually was overseeing fermentation hemmings you know and and basically like we all know george washington's name we all know thomas jefferson's name but we don't know hercules name we don't know peter or james hemmings names and the hemmings brothers are fascinating because you know they're the first uh chef de cuisine a, a, a presidential chef de cuisine in american history and and so Today, that's kind of the new mission of Lost Loggers, outside of just making historic beer, is to right the wrongs of the historical record. Um, and that work is 
every day, you know? Like, right. like you, you'll, you'll be working forever, sir. Yeah, sure. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that, mission, that mission statement will never grow old, you know? Right. It's, it's, yeah. So, um, so that's in a nutshell the work of Lost Lagers. We, we wanted to do 50 beers, 50 Lost Lagers and or extinct ales, you know, the concept of bringing things back um in 50 states you know in the district in puerto rico obviously covid kind of put a damper on that a couple of years ago but we're, we're getting there we're up to like 20 i think we have 20 states um and we've been doing it basically for um like seven i would say actually i guess 2013 was the first one and we formed around 2013 14 15 so we've been at it for a while now um you know, we're not so crazy or wonderfully passionate that we want to own a brewery. (laughs) We don't want to be brewery owners in whatever shape it is. Shout out to all the brewery owners. We love you in every form. (laughs) Uh, But we just like making beer and Uh chopping, chopping up history. And, um, and so that's kind of the pocket that we stay in. Um, I mean, would but it's an exciting time. Though. I would be a dope brewery where you can have lost yeah, lager. Right. The 1910, the 1910 <laughs> lager. Kind of wow. It is kind of dope brewery. <laughs> right. <concept. laughs> it is definitely. So, I should say about 1910, we brewed um, a 1910 beer. Uh, the, the brewer at Human Robot is a gentleman by the name of Andrew Foss. And he used to be the head brewer at St. Benjamin in Philly, which closed, but we brewed a beer with him at St. Benjamin before they closed shop. So we have a weird back channel connection with human robot there with, with, uh, with Mr. Foss, but the beer world is small like that, you know? And I think for me, that's kind of the interest. The the part about labor history is like, I don't necessarily want to know the brewery history. I want to know who made the beer there Mm. and then where did they come from? Right. And in doing that, you get at the true essence. Like, um, there's a wonderful food writer. His name's Michael Twitty. Um, and I just saw him in D.C. a couple of weeks ago. He's got a new book out, um, Kosher Soul. And his his whole thing was like, I think, you know, brewing in the United States really should be accredited to, you know, uh, enslaved Africans, enslaved people who took West African knowledge of how to turn fruit and grain into alcohol so that it would it would preserve right like if you think about harvesting anything barley or persimmons or grapes or apples like fermentation it's about preservation right like this apple is gonna rot in a week but if i press it and ferment this juice i've got cider i got a barrel of cider for a whole year You know, like, and I think um, so much of American history has been whitewashed, right? Like, we know that. That's very clear. So what really happened? And that's kind of more like along the lines of the work that Pete and and I have been engaging in more recently. Like, what are we going to do to write the historical record? What historic truths have we found that people just don't know? And there's so so much of it. Well, is there one that in particular that's really blew your mind? Like, oh, this is crazy. Right. I, like, I, I, could that right. I mean, um, as far as, as uh, black-owned breweries go, we think the first one now is in the 60s. Um, and this is like, we're just working on this. Um, I found out uh, that, that there was a, a gentleman, contract brewery, who owned a brewery... Um, the, the, the beer was produced in New Jersey in the 1960s. 
And mm. so that predates everything. Like, and then in the one newspaper article we found, which the, the newspaper articles uh, dated the 1960s, it says that he and his wife were co-owners. Um, it's called Colony House, Colony House Brewing. And if that's the case, that means that uh, black brewery ownership goes to the 1960s, mm. which is a good, like, several years, several decades, in some cases before the first black-owned commercial brewery post-prohibition. Um, the other one I'll, I'll, I'll hit you with is um, Porter. So Philly is a big city, at least historically, it's been called the first city for lager beer, 1840, and for Porter, 1770s, let's call it. Um, there's a British beer historian, Martin Cornell, and he uncovered um, a brewery in Virginia. Excuse me, and they were brewing Porter in Virginia before the 1770s, so we're talking colonial era. And of course, they were growing barley on the plantation. This is in Marlboro County, Virginia, or Marlboro, Virginia. Um, and so, of course, Black Hands grew the barley to brew America's first porter until we find a porter before the 1760s. Mm. Right? So it's like, of course. Of course, beer history is black history. Of course, black history is American history. But some people have been so indoctrinated. And, you know, I, I've, I've committed these sins against history as well before knowing what I didn't know. Right. You don't know what you don't know right. until you learn it. But you have to be a humble person and be like, all right, I don't know everything. I don't have the whole record. Let me reconcile that. Give, give, me, the, give me the truth with a capital T. No matter how it makes me feel, let's get into it. And that that's like the hard work of, of public history, which is the greater scope. You know, beer is public history. It's, it's all public history. Right. I think I think if a lot of people took that approach, we'd be uh, we'd be a lot better. We'd be a lot further be along nice and easy. <laughs> in terms of that's, that's for sure. We gotta, right. We gotta Outside take, of we beer, gotta take all the information, right. good and the bad, yeah. and just and take yeah. it, mm-hmm. digest it, and see how we can move forward uh, together but, and be productive uh, with it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh, now you said you 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 started the uh, you said you got about twenty beers that you've done so far. Is that about twenty beers that you've done so far? Have you done Delaware yet? Have you gotten to Delaware? Yeah, is it, was it twenty states? No. Is it twenty and specific states? And it's beers? twenty states. Yeah. So, exactly. so exactly. Delaware is the first state. Like, how, <laughs> absolutely. What are you doing? How, what are you doing? how is that? So yeah, I'll, 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 I'll give you. I was sitting. I was sitting <laughs> on my ass the last two years. That's, that's but um, so we're about to brew a beer with um, Key Brewing next week. Key Brewing's in Dundalk, Maryland, and one of their brewers, uh, Derek Davis, used to make beer at a brew pub in Delaware. So I did give him some recipes and some consultation on some corn beer, but we didn't release it as a lost lager. It's like. He didn't can it. Our name wasn't on the draft list. Like I consult with people all the time. Mm. And that's kind of what's wild about Las Lagers. Like if I, if I were to chalk up everybody that I gave a recipe to, we'd be way over 20. But the whole idea is like, Hey, can you pay us? And the answer is usually like, well, see the thing is, and we're like, all right, well, can we put our name on the can? And then if it's like, yes, like, all right, let's do it. But that's the thing about Lost Lager. So Pete, my colleague, is a, is a professional historian. He works for um, he works for a, a law firm. They're, they they provide you know expert legal services and history and gathering information. So he's a researcher. Um, and so because of him, we've done some projects where we're billing at like a hundred bucks an hour, mm. and then we're doing other projects where I'm shelling out a hundred bucks an hour of my <laughs> time. You know, what I'm saying? because we believe in the projects. So right. right. 
that's right. the whole thing about this beer industry. Like any of those contract brewers, like if they're breaking even, that's huge. Right. Like I know how hard so many contract, so many people that don't own a brick and mortar brewery have to work because cans are crazy pricey and they don't want printed cans. They need stickered cans because they got four batches coming down the tank and they need to split it four ways. Right. Like, the bigger you are, the easier it is to get money, right? We all know you got to spend money to make money. So, of course, the AB InBevs, Heineken's, Miller Coors, Molson Coors of the world, they, they drop it. They don't even pick it up. They're right. making money so fast. You know what I mean? Like, right. Whereas every last penny counts when you're a tiny brewer. And I think, like, looking at American history, like, let's just focus on Sam Adams, like Boston Beer Company. There's a brewery that started as – as a contract brewer and still today has a lot of contracts throughout the Northeast, Pennsylvania, Ohio, right? It's Boston beer, but they're making beer in Ohio. They're making beer in Pennsylvania. Like what if some of these small contract brewers right now in 30 years are America's biggest brewers, right? And that's like the 30 year plan. Like when I was working on the piece, so I write outside of beer history, I write um, for Washington city paper. And I, I wrote this article, the collective, which is all about these black owned breweries in DC, Maryland, and Virginia. And Sean Taylor, who owns black Viking, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, his goal is to be the first nationally distributed black owned brewery in the U S which is a wonderful goal because it's like, Aim for the, you know, shoot for the sky. If you fall, land on a cloud. Like, what if he's not nationally? What if he only gets 48 states? That's amazing, you know? Like, and that kind of big, like, 30-year vision is the kind of shit that moves me personally. And then to go back into history, like, 100 years ago, and and see people talking about 30-year plans in, like, 1910, 1920, that, to me, is, like, connecting the dots between today and, you know, because... We tend to think of people in the past, it's totally normal to be like, oh, well, they weren't that smart. They didn't know, They, you know, like, what What did they really know? Were they really that intelligent? And it's like, yeah, like, absolutely they were. And you do you do a disservice to the, you know, to the people in the historical record um, when you kind of shrink it down. But that's just the way the human brain works, right? Like, we have to box it in to keep it all, you know, right. um, organized. So, when y'all, y'all, so... When y'all are doing these beers, are y'all naming these beers based off of the history that you you guys found? Like, because I don't yeah. know what the name of the beers are. So, what's the yeah? So, I'll, I'll give you the St. Benjamin example when they were in Philly. So we called it um, 1911 Lager, and we were like, "Oh, it's a lager brewed in Philadelphia in 1911." Like, let's go. It's the most straightforward thing, right? And then, sure enough, there's a cider. I think it's a cider company with 1911. And so the owner of St. Benjamin was like, hey, um, we're calling it this, but we just got to cease and desist so we can never make this beer with the same name again. Oh, <laughs> we were like, oh, oh. <laughs> and, and I, I don't know if they brewed a second batch. If they did, it was, you know, like American pre-prohibition corn lager or American pre-prohibition lager. So something pretty generic. Um, mm-hmm. We do some, it totally depends on who we're working with. Some people are very comfortable giving us creative control. Um, other brewers just take it upon themselves. Um, like there was a, there's a beer at, uh, Firestone Walker, who's a massive brewery. They have the propagator in, um, California. I think it's San Diego or maybe it's, um, no, no, no. It's like, um, it's further North in San Diego in California, but it's a, it's a brew pub. So all the beer brewed at the propagator stays in the, so I wrote an article like, uh, 
I think it was called like America's Founding Lagers, and that was in craft beer and brewing. And the head brewer at the Propagator took the recipe, scaled it up, and just brewed it. And it was like, I think it was like 19, 1947 Bach. So, the, like, I love when people will just take the year and just drop it in. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a brewery in Texas that makes um, pre-war pills. It's the Live Oak Brewing Company, and they make wonderful lagers in Texas. And um, we, we hit them with a 1912, 1915 recipe. And they had found that in Texas, even though this beer was brewed in um, either Philly or Baltimore in 1915-ish, they were like, oh, in Texas, they had pre-war strength. Like when beer, so prohibition, right? Like the selling and buying of alcohol from 1920 to 1933. They found via local history in Texas that all these breweries wanted to make beer at 5% ABV and they called it pre-war strength. So they were like, oh, we're going to take from this 1930s, 40s marketing pre-war pills and just brew this beer to 5% ABV. Um, and so, yeah, like the titles are honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm boring. I'm a nerd. So I like, <laughs> I like titles that are boring, you know, like, um, yeah, there, there's been like, we brewed a, a, a Bach with a, a local brewery denizens and it's kind of like American Bach. So, you know, when you have German Bach from like Bavaria or even like Bach, you know, that's brewed in Austria or the Czech Republic, it tends to be like six, seven, eight percent. American Bach was brewed at like four to five percent ABV, so it's really like a style American Bach. Basically, nobody makes it anymore, save like Shiner Bach, right? When right. you have, uh, you know, and people have Shiner Bach every day. It's huge in Texas. It's it's almost distributed nationally. Like that beer is like four, four point two, four point eight percent. Um, so you know, the styles get interpreted throughout the history. It's kind of like um. So my buddy Jamal Lemon was on and he was talking about, um, you know, like Gullah Geechee cuisine and how it's similar um, yeah. it, to, to West African cuisine, right? Like when we look at foodways, it's the same thing with beer. We Americans have this concept of like, here's food and here's beer. But like elsewhere in the world, you know, in, in Africa and Germany, like all the other continents, it's like one thing, beer like, and food. Yeah. Right. Like it's, yeah. Um, and so people are picking up on that, right, with, like, fruited beers and things like that. But, um, yeah, it's just interesting to see how foreign concepts were interpreted by American brewers and then how they were going to funnel that to the drinking public and, and have a, a sellable, marketable product that people were, would buy. Um, yeah. What, what made y'all want to, but unless I've missed it somewhere, what made you want to look back into the history of, of well, this? Well, it's, it's that that is fair because I was going to add to what you're going to ask Yoda. I was reading his bio on the Lost Loggers website, right, and it was saying how when he got his uh, master's in fine arts, he mm. was doing this. He made the focus of his thesis was, uh, you know, right. beer, right, and history. So dive back into that a little bit sure. because that's sure. where he was. He was definitely yeah. going with it. Like, how do you decide to make yeah. that your thesis? That's a, that's a great, great point. So um, back in 2010, I was working in Northern Virginia, but taking classes at American University. Okay. And American University was crazy pricey. And I was like, mm -hmm. this is ridiculous. 
So I was looking at UMD and George Mason, all the state schools. Um, and George Mason had a great writing program. So I was like, all right, let me go to Mason. And when I dug into the research, I uncovered Peter Hemmings and James Hemmings at Monticello. Um, and I was like, oh, I think James Hemmings is the first black brewer, the first uh, commercial brewer because you know, Jefferson Monticello had some bartering going on. And it's like, all right, if you were selling beer outright or you had beer in kind sales, wouldn't that make Hemmings the first black commercial brewer? And everybody from the history department was like, whoa, 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 slow your roll. Like, you mm. can't say anybody is the first until you've done like years of research. Right. And then you have to be like, I think he's the first because X, Y, Z, I could be wrong. Right. And that was that was really helpful, too. So this is back in 2013, 2012, 11. I left D.C., gone to George Mason. Um, so it was always, you know, beer history, black history, homebrewing history, beer in D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Like these were the concepts that. And so when I when I finished my thesis in 2013, um, that essay was in there and then I was writing about family and health and fermentation and, and basically like just questions, just asking questions, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of personal. People tend to take religious personal. I'm kind of, I'm Judeo Christian, right? Like mm -hmm. my dad comes from a Jewish family. My dad was born in Prague in the Czech Republic. Um, uh, my mom was born in the Northeast. So like Catholic family, Jewish family, like it's, I'm a mashup, you know? And um, some Catholics take issue with you're Catholic or you're not. Some Jews take issue with you're Jewish or you're not, right? Mm -hmm. But like, I just, I am what I am. And so mm -hmm. to me, my thesis was about that. And I think mm -hmm. that's kind of part of what, um, what, I, what I had presented, what public history had presented me all along, which was all these contradictions. Like um, Hemings eventually bought his freedom, but, uh, but died. Right. But he died mm. in freedom. And so that's a great thing. But it's terrible mm. because, you know, like American American chattel slavery, like what what a fucked up institution that is. Right. Mm. Like um, my grandfather, my dad's dad survived the Holocaust. Right. And uh, we say like six million people died in the Holocaust. Well, in the transatlantic slave trade, we're talking about 11 million. Mm -hmm. But like, is this is it is it the Depression Olympics? Like we're not. Like, I'm not trying to talk right. about, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. you can't reconcile. Like, I think this is totally out of left field. But I think back to Chappelle's show with the um, with the race draft. And they're like, oh, the Wu-Tang Clan. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, that skit is hilarious because mm -hmm. it shrinks down race and identity. to like such a simple, right? Like, oh, Tiger Woods goes and you and it's Chappelle and, and uh, what's his face? Neil, whatever. The writers, they're they're poking mm -hmm. fun of, of race and identity. Right. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like all of history to me is identity. And then within public history, it's like, what can really be said about identity and what can go through it? So getting back to the original question, the whole reason to dive into like beer history was mm -hmm. public history, beer history, and then family history. Like, mm -hmm. uh, they're all connected to me. They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're all linked, but, um, you know, as far as brewing beer, like people don't want to show up at the brew pub, at the bar, at the restaurant and be like, yo, let's, let's talk about the Holocaust. Let's talk about the slave. <laughs> the slave right. They're like, no, I want right. a cold beer. Like, oh, it's brewed in 1910. That's cool. Like we like, and so you meet people where they're at and you, you get right, a, you right, know, right. little, little yeah, breadcrumbs. 
Those yeah, are very specific it. bars that you go to that have those topics. Yeah. <laughs> it's one night a week. And the like, I'm not making anything. Like, these talk all the time. Right. <laughs> I yeah. love it. I love it. What unless, unless you had that brewery yourself, then uh, you can <laughs> listen. You know? Yeah, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> and then people that come there know what to expect because they know. Every Wednesday night, we talk about slavery. And on Thursday, we talk about the Holocaust. You come, if you, come if you like. What a lineup. What a lineup. <laughs> Trivia on Monday. Drink, drink your misery here. <laughs> Depression <laughs> <laughs> Wednesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> so there, there are so many different. Let me, there are so many different uh, brews and beers from the past. Like, what makes you guys grab onto the, the recipe and say, "Hey, we want to try the brew this one," or we want to give this to a brewery? There, I know there's thousands, probably millions of different recipes out there. So, what what catches you guys' eye to make you want to brew that beer? That's a great question. So sometimes it's fully recipe driven. Like we have a brewer out in uh, Virginia, a little west of us, who's like, I want to find something from Virginia from like the first lager brewed up until Prohibition. So we're talking like 1800s to 1920. So we're trying to find for him that needle in the haystack. And that's like one way to look at the historic record. Right. And then like, all right, is it in the Virginia Public Library? Is it in the, like, you know, uh, Loudoun County? Like, is the Loudoun County Historical Society, do they have it? And then if there's nothing there, it's like, hey, man, we look, we spent all these hours. Here's what we have from New York, Philly, Baltimore, 1860, 1880, 1910. Will one of these work, right? Like, working it that way, because we, we now have, like, a library of them. Um Sometimes it's like, hey, you're really good at making lager. Like, what do you do well? And then let's fit a historic recipe to your style right now. And then if they have the ability, like corn, always comes back to corn. If they can cook corn at 180 Fahrenheit and keep one vessel at 180 or boiling, right? Like 200, over 200 Fahrenheit. Like, can we then transfer that? Or is that just impossible? There's no way they can heat their mashup or a, a, a vessel that we would use like a rice cooker to keep constant temperature. Um, so it kind of goes both ways on the spectrum. Sometimes like, hey, I want a recipe. Sometimes like, I want to work with you. What do you got? And then when that's the case, we're like, well, what do you do well? What sells well for you? What is, um, what's your best seller? How is it, you know, historically accurate how is it unlike anything like um you know just in the last like 10 20 years we've seen the movement away from like really bitter so like ipa is still like king of the roost right like ipa still sells the best for independent small craft brewers that's the biggest segment um and it's kind of like just thinking about that and then the movement away like 10 10 years ago let's say 2012 the IPAs were really bitter. Now we have a ton of New England hazy IPA. It's not bitter at all. In fact, yeah. it's quite sweet. Yeah. And then you had over the last five years, the proliferation of like pastry stouts, beer with vanilla, beer with cacao, beer with honey, cinnamon, date syrup, whatever. Like it was like the palate sometimes moves in. Nobody was like, hey, I want coffee, chocolate, vanilla, cinnamon in my stout. They were just like, oh, I'm taxed on bitter beer. Like, I'm maxed out. Right. I don't want more bitter beer. Give me something sweet. And that's like, 
then all of a sudden we go in the other direction. So, um, you know, in terms of recipes, like they're, they're ancient. I mean, I'm talking American, I've been talking American history, like local craft beer, at least, you know, nationally, but beer goes back to the ancient Egyptians, ancient Mesopotamians. Um, it's funny. I have a friend who's a, an archeologist and, and just last year he wrote an article that beer was 11,000 years old. Mm. And then there were new findings from uh, Rockefeller cave. Yeah. Well, first of all, grasp that 11,000 years ago, like right. what the fuck was on the earth? Right. 11, <laughs> like nothing. That we had is, None of this equipment. <laughs> Nope, computer, nope, Nothing. keyboard, nope. Like nah, a house with fucking like no, doors and no. Nothing. They didn't even know what a shutter was, Gavin. <laughs> right. They shuttered during the thunderstorms. <laughs> right. That's what they did. That actually brings me to a, a question similar to um like and similar to that in terms of has there been a recipe that you try to do and you are impressed with the ingenuity uh of the, the brewer, like, oh my goodness, we can't recreate this or it was difficult to reproduce because of yeah, ing- was, ingenuity uh, because of right. like they didn't have any other techniques. I mean, they didn't have any right. other equipment that we had right. now. So how right. do, how do they do this? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, honestly, a lot of it is around loggers. People want to do pre-prohibition loggers, but they can't they can't heat their mash. They can't boil corn grits in their mash, mm. or they can, but they can't find you know. Let's say it's a like a twenty barrel system, and they need like a thousand pounds of corn grits mm-hmm. and nobody can get it because all of their suppliers, you know, brewer supply group, um, BSI, what is it? Brewing science Institute for yeast. Like they can't get them what they need. Like, yo, I'm brewing this two weeks from today. It's like, well, nah, like that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it happens actually all the time. And then it's up to us to find workarounds. Like, how are we going to, how are we going to make this work? Because like, that's the other like thing. An alternate, you're talking like you'll find an alternate of what, could go into like the corn that makes like a modern day like a modern day corn grit yeah because that's what i was wondering like how how is it that you find recipes that still have the ingredients that exist today because like it's probably half the ingredients like like, what is this right yeah (laughs) i gotta research what that ingredient actually was on top of (laughs) Mm -hmm. exactly exactly and that's food history what is food history agronomics the farmer mm-hmm. stopped growing it because he didn't get paid for it right. anymore like right. the, the, you know what i'm saying sorghum. so um that, that's a great example yeah no one um, eats sorghum anymore <laughs> like mm-hmm. nobody fucks with molasses like corn syrup came in mm-hmm. and they were like all right give me that like, give me that k route and it was easier to work with. They're like, yep. this shit has chunks in it. The syrup is liquid. It's, it's, right. it's, it's either clear or brown. Yep. It's, right. it's all about functionality, 100%. So it's funny you ask that because there's actually more recipes where we don't have what we need if we do know what the ingredient is. Or like even with hops. Today we're mm-hmm. obsessed with hops. We got, oh, uh, Chinook and Mount Hood and Citra on the can, or you know, Calypso mm-hmm. and Crystal and Amarillo, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like back then, it was like early hop, right. late hop, and we thought <laughs> that we we're like, what the fuck, early late, like what? <laughs> we didn't have all these. Grow- that must be the growth It's the growth span. Like this, this yeah. we picked these early. This, yep. these are right. these, right. yeah. these, these halfway yeah. rotten. These rotten. Halfway rotten. Take these. Got the mighty right. When you Late go, hops. you think of that like what? 
late house. <laughs> you just translated. Congratulations. You just translated <laughs> there it is. An, an 1880 recipe. Well done. Like, for real, for real. <laughs> That's how it is. And it's so, like, fun. now is there like an early citra hop or a late citra <laughs> hop? It could be depending on the yeah, because it, it feels like <laughs> if you pick, if you picked a particular hop earlier or harvested it a little bit later, it would change the flavor, right? Mm-hmm. Of the hop, yeah, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah. Yep, yeah. So, or probably the longer that you get, the longer that yeah, you yeah, like a, like a, like you you pick a peach off the tree, you eat it right away. It's not as good as if you let it sit for a day or two. You know what I mean? Like, or, it, or it might too. be sweeter or something. Or yeah, yeah, it gets sweeter later. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You're, you're yeah. just talking process, right? You're just talking harvest. Okay, mm-hmm. you're gonna pick this this peach um, either June fifteenth or August fifteenth. Right. right. Okay. So early would be June fifteenth. Late would be August fifteenth. What are you going to do with that peach? You're just eating it out of hand. You're going to bake a pie. You make a peach wine. Right. Like what's right. your right. difference? What's yeah. your end goal? Mm-hmm. I, it's it's a legitimate question. And then the thing with hops, though, is because they're all dried. How big is the bed that you're drying them over the heat? Mm-hmm. So and how long? Distribution. So, yeah. There's so there's a second step. We're just talking harvest. Are we gonna right. pick on June fifteenth or August fifteenth? Right. Mm-hmm. Are we gonna harvest them at eighty degrees or, okay. or sixteen? Or, yeah. Damn. Right. Right. Uh, exactly. So <laughs> and then there's that second step of processing. Like, excuse me, with the hops, how long are we gonna dry them for? How hot is it gonna be? And this is research that's happening at Oregon State University right now. Mm. I just listened to a Master Brewers Association of America podcast where. Dr. Tom Shellhammer had one of his students collect data, right? Because mm. Oregon is a, is a massive hop grower and they mm. produce. And they were doing it on the duration, like how long and the temperature. It's time and temperature. Mm-hmm. How hot was the, was the kiln when they were drying and how long were they drying it for? And then they did a study, like, can you tell the difference if the heat is lower and they're dried for less time? And basically the findings were like, you couldn't tell. So why would I spend, if I'm a farm, I'm a hop farmer, and then I got to dry these before I bring them to market. Why would I spend 10 hours if I only need eight? And that's the growth. There you Mm -hmm. go. Time is money. Mm -hmm. That's agronomics. So, yeah. And I mean, Mm -hmm. beer history is rooted in that. Like, you know, and and that's kind of what's crazy too. We we have all these leads on, like, farm, farm labor is to this day, to me, the one of the most underrated labors, right? Like every time you buy blueberries or right. you, you go to Giant or right. Safeway or fucking Wegmans, right? You get some fancy berries. You're paying like five bucks a pop, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing at the farmer's market. But like people actually pick, like if you go out and you pick blueberries, like mm. that shit is exhausting. exhausting. And mm-hmm. so like yep. on some level, I'm like fucking five bucks a pint? What the but on the next level, when I'm like, I'm, I ain't going out there and picking that shit. Five hours doing right. it, and all I got is sixty ounces. Like, <laughs> right. Look, I, in five hours, I don't went to the store, bought the blueberries, cooked the blueberries, ate the blueberries, shit the blueberries, <laughs> and, and went to sleep, took a nap, <laughs> and took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> took a nap. <laughs> I'll, pay, I'll pay five dollars for blueberries. I went right. apple picking. I went apple picking a couple weeks ago. It was yeah. so freaking hot, and I only had a bucket. <laughs> I just had like a <laughs> tiny bucket full of apples. Right. I was it's like, "Oh my god, does that all day?" Yeah, I'm like, Yo. "Yeah, all day." And yeah, I, right. I think and I paid more than he made. I think I paid right. to pick the apples right. more yeah. than he would have yeah. made right. to pick the, mm-hmm. yeah. all right. the apples. Right. So right, 
So that's Pretty a good sure. business venture for, yeah. for the yeah. orchard owner, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to open it up. People are going to come. They pick apples, and I make more than if I had to, you know, get up early, get them to market. Farmers markets goes from eight to twelve, right? There's mm-hmm. just selling. That's not. So yeah, like, mm-hmm. and you don't got to transport sure. them. They came and got them. Y'all you right. drove out they there, wait. paid me, and right. went and got them. Right. Yeah. There you go. I'm Apple Pick. It's so much fun. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so Mike, how often? Because you're typically you're usually in the research and historical mind frame when you're recreating recipes. How often do you get to take that hat off when you go to a brewery that has uh, a, I guess you would say historical that you haven't worked with, right? That has maybe like this historical naming of a beer or at least ingredients of a beer like, is it hard for you not to pick it apart? Is it hard for you to just take it for what it is? <laughs> yes. You know, like as a, I'm, a, I'm an artist on the the fine arts of like performing art side. So I look at music and can dissect. So I'm wondering from your aspect, yeah. you think of beer, like how do you turn that off and on when you're going into just normal patron civilian into a brewery? I'm a, I'm a terrible dude to go to the brewery. You do not like if I'm if I'm in Philly, we're having backyard beers, man. So we can just rap and just I don't have to pick the shit apart. Like right, right, right. Because because really, like you know, all, it's all fucked. Because public history is pub. Like right, everybody's got a claim. But every uh-huh. time you turn the TV on, you're not hearing about. You know, my ancestors, Jews in Czech beer. You're not mm-hmm. hearing Michael Twitty's ancestors, Virginia, um, Af- you know, African-Americans and, and black folks in Virginia that made persimmon beer, mm. that made peach wine, that mm-hmm. made like that shit is not out there. It's not mm-hmm. in the public sphere. Right. Now, it's public history right. and it's real and it really happened. So when I go to the brewery and it's like, oh, you know, Berliner Weisse was a style brewed in Berlin and yada, yada. It's like, yes, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. So, so for me, it's always like the yes. And, and I know, yeah. you know, if I'm chafing people, if I'm an agitative, here he go. I, was, I, I just wanted to drink the beer. He about to, empty the brewery. Everybody here at the exit. I've been talking for half an hour. My beer's not cold anymore. Like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and, and I think, so I, of course, temper myself when I come to situations like sure. that. But I think the best part is getting a receptive audience. And it's like, hey, you're here for beer history. Right, you're, right. Or you're here for American history, Virginia mm-hmm. history, whatever. Like, and then knowing people come with an open mind to, mm-hmm. to really be like, all right, let's get blown away. Like, I'm always looking for the next writer, you right. know, blogger, podcaster that's going to blow me away. They're going to serve right. me up some history I've never right. heard, which is like, shout out to you for having like KJ on. You know, Jamal and I have done this with our writing. We're still trying to do that. Like, you tune in to, to Black Food Fact. Like yes. your mind's about to be blown, right? Yes. Like every time it's now I'm hitting him up on a regular, like, oh look, look at this spot I found. Look, you know, you've been here, you know, like it's 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 addictive. It's contagious. You it's get contagious, exactly. So passionate that his yep. passion spreads and you're like, yo, all right, yep. right. I'm like, looking for it now. Right. Yeah, last Thursday I found myself, I was uh, at a social event um at the Fiddler Club and we were all talking of, um, amongst each other and, you know, BYOBs and stuff were 
on a topic of discussion. And um, then we started, then we, then we got into that and then the black owned BOIOBs and finding them within Philly. And it, it just takes you, like, like I said, on this journey uh, of looking and finding stuff. That's so. it. It's absolutely mm-hmm. a journey. And I think that was part of it too. Like, um, you know, I, I am a terrible guest at the brewery, but mm-hmm. if you have somebody who's willing to be like, this is why I love. So, you know, the split with brewing that I see in the food world is like front of house, back of house, right? Mm-hmm. And the Mater D and the people that are going to sit you front of house, like it's all, all smiles all the time, right? Mm-hmm. But in the kitchen, it's like, get the fuck, like, pass me, right? like, and it's chaos. Mm-hmm. It's, it's mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> chaos, right? Mm-hmm. Like, knees in plus, you got your shit in place. Mm-hmm. And that's how it is in brewing too. Front of house is like sales, sales, sales. Like I catch more flies with honey than vinegar, right? So I'm going to mm-hmm. smile on your face, even though I completely disagree with you, because I need you to buy five <laughs> kegs from me so I can get my spot bonus next month, right? Like right, it's, right, right, it's right. like that right, with right. sales. In production, it's like oh, what the fuck, like right. fucking carpet walkers, right? Like exactly. they have like it's hilarious. There's a it's walk. Walk. <laughs> that's what it is. Like really, like. You know, in sales is front of house and production, beer production is back of house. And that's right. and I, I've always found myself gravitating towards folks in the back of the house because mm-hmm. that's the truth. It's like, oh, you love this fruit beer? Core these apricots for me. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to spend the next seven hours cutting pits out of apricots. And I'm going to mm-hmm. spend one hour putting them in a tank. Mm-hmm. Like, grab a knife help me out <laughs> you know what i mean like and that's really how it is and there's all it's there's always been that breakdown between like i hate to relate beer making to sausage making but like how the sausage is made mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nobody wants to see how the sausage. everybody loves a platter right you got knack burst and vice burst and you got your brat worst <laughs> but mm-hmm. like nobody wants to see that pig being slaughtered mm-hmm. right? right like mm-hmm. that's what it is that and that's that's really how it is in brewing mm-hmm. like and and every you know and i was swept in back in 2006 like oh Anheuser-Busch is bad and like how dare they and this that and the other but like the benefits you get as an Anheuser-Busch brewer like full full medical full dental you get vision you get paid time off like nobody's doing I mean yeah like Mm -hmm. maybe Boston Beer and Sierra Nevada are doing that craft beer but like and that's labor and labor doesn't give a fuck what you think about the brand it's like you know like labor Mm -hmm. history like people really get passionate about it as they should. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we had Labor Day, what, what two weekends ago? Last yep. weekend, whatever mm-hmm. that was. Like, yep. two weeks ago. Yeah, and it's just interesting to think, too, like, like, what is labor? What does it mean, right? Like, who's getting paid? Like, are, And then getting credit outside of just labor. I think that's getting back to beer history. Like, who's getting credit? Mm-hmm. And the right. Hemmings brothers absolutely do not get the credit. We went to see... Um, Hamilton last night at the Kennedy Center, right? Which is mm-hmm. like, I love Lynn Manuel Miranda. He's just some dude from the Bronx. I have, being a New Yorker, I have lots of friends from the Bronx. Love it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, but that whole show is, you know, it's it's new mythologizing. Some is correct history setting, some is off, but it's just like, I love it. It's wonderful, right? Like in musical theater, in, in jazz, in hip hop, whatever the, the genre, like, it's mm-hmm. just good to be there. Just be in the audience, taking in the art, right. you know, mm-hmm. like that's wonderful. Then you can sit back and pick it apart. And I feel right. like that's kind of the mission of Los Lagers too. Cause people in a day to day, like you're going into the brewery, you're going into the sales meeting. It's just business day in, mm-hmm. day out. 
But if you can take a step back and think about it, like it's really, you're part of like a long history. Yeah. Like I I remember uh, this has to be over at least 12 years ago, maybe even 15. I was at a um, sales conference in Minnesota and um, we were, I was in the polyethylene polypropylene business at the time because the company I worked for and the uh, sales rep or whatever, she gave the history lesson on how uh, before there was the modernized uh, uh, tubing for people to like heat their driveways and have these tankless water heaters and everything like that. And it made everyone way more interested in the presentation by her giving the story of how the Egyptians used to heat the floors yeah. back in the yeah. day before all this modernization happened. Yeah. Um, and they yeah. used to dr- have drill the holes in the floor. And then, you know, they had these like heat beds and the insulation and stuff like underneath of it so that it yeah. wouldn't actually burn them. You know what I mean? But it would still give yeah. them the heat because they were just like out, you know, in elements and all the kind of stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and just Sidebar. that linkage. Sidebar, that's that's ingenious. Uh, what you just said, right. that, that ancient history is ingenious what they were doing. Yes. But then it was so elite mm-hmm. that like that's I think sometimes that's how it gets lost in history because mm-hmm. the common man had no clue what a heated floor was that that even existed. Exactly. And then yeah. and then like we don't even really know, but it's it's more common for us to have a heated floor exactly. or to see a heated floor, maybe not to or have one in our home, yeah, like it's but like, to have the heated drive. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. People are like, I don't want to do snow. I right, don't want right. to be shoveling like, like, a Minnesota, whole Minnesota, five yeah, mile driveway. Us, us in Delaware, like I'll shovel. I get the snow blower. Exactly. But in Minnesota, yeah. like no, yeah, bro, I don't even want to see that. <laughs> I got to go to work yeah. in the morning. Like, exactly. So yeah, that, right. that's, that's that's interesting how yeah. the history is written. Yep. I mean, Who, I, whoever I would writes the history never, makes it different. Mm-hmm. I never thought of the Egyptians ever once shoveling my driveway. But mm-hmm. if I had the funds to have a heated, to just hit a button, I would right. absolutely be like, Osiris, hear my prayer. Like, I, like every day, right? Like, oh, the sun god has blessed me with this button. Like, yes. gonna, you know, like, that's it, man. Like, dear history mm-hmm. is that old. So this guy mm-hmm. who, so Jamal and I are working on a, a history of Charleston, water, beer, and oysters. Okay, mm-hmm. but I'm talking to my my guy who's out in um, uh, Colorado. His name's Travis Rupp. He used to work for Avery Brewing Company. He left Avery. Now he just works at UC Boulder. But he was telling me, like, he wrote this article that said beer was 11,000 years old. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, as soon as the article comes out, I think it was Oxford uh, Oxford University's archaeology, like uh, trade publication, right? Only archaeologists read it. Okay, mm-hmm. cool, whatever. He was like, then the next year, he published this piece on Rockefeller Cave in Palestine or in Israel, and beer is thirteen thousand five hundred years old. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh shit, did you say like beer is only eleven thousand years old? And he was like, come on. He's like, I can't. Of course, I didn't say that. Like. Because he knew that even though beer was 11,000 years old in 2021, by 2022, they pushed it back 2,500 more years because they found a cave. Mm. And they found this culture, the Natufians. And the Natufians weren't hunter-gatherers. They weren't agrarian folks waiting for the Nile to flood, Mm -hmm. to plant crops, right? Like the Egyptians knew, like, every year the river's going to flood. And I'm going to plant my shit here. And the river's going to flood a lot, and we're going to have tons of crops, or the river won't flood a lot, and we'll just have a little few 
agrarian products, right? Like, so he is, he is deep in archaeology and him breaking this down for me, my mind was just blown. Like, so now I got to put this in the piece that Jamal and I are writing, but like, it is thanks to ancient Egypt. We have all this shit. It is thanks mm-hmm. to Africa. There's so much shit on the African continent that we Americans just don't know. Tell them. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah. Like, so like, I got to ask this question. Have you been to Africa and or do you plan to go? I'm, I'm planning right now and I really? want to go to West Africa. So I have no, I have never been to on the, I've never stepped foot on the African continent. Okay. I think my first country is going to be either Ghana mm-hmm. or it's going to be West Africa. I know that. So, um, so, okay. So as you say that I have a, I have a, I have a, uh, a, a brother, uh, uh, Kavan, he's planning a trip to Ghana in December right now. They're taking a whole study group. They're taking an actual college. I think they're taking, uh, I forget how many students uh, to Ghana in, uh, in December. Amazing. Uh, you know, but they're, they're taking the, you know, the professors and everyone there. I mean, obviously this isn't, it isn't for beer, right? It's right. For a right. different <laughs> lesson. Yeah. Um, they have a purpose. Yeah. They yeah. have a different purpose, but uh, who knows? Talk about it's it after amazing. the show. We'll well, see, hey, see yeah. how something could, you know, could, could manifest from it. Let me, let me email you to get the, to get the back channel. I'm big yeah, on the yeah, back definitely. channels and I want to, yeah, yeah, I want to keep yeah. that open. So <laughs> I'll say this about West Africa. Um, you, you got the Sankofa hat. So, um, Kofi Moreau, who is the founder of Sankofa Beer Company here in D.C., small contract brewer. Kofi was, was you know, raised in West Africa, Ghana, I think Benin, or maybe Amado was in Benin. But anyways, I talked to Kofi about Pito, and Pito is this, I think it's millet-based beer, right? It's a beer that's been brewed in Ghana for hundreds of years, and he's so casual about it, too. When we rap, I'm like, so is it like 500 years old or is it 1,000 years old? He's like, yeah, it could be 1,000, right? He's just cool about it because, you know, the historian in me is like, all right, well, is it 1,500 or 1,000 A.D.? Like, let's get into it. And, and he's like, no, nah, it's just been a long time. And I'm like, all right, so, like, what do the millet makers look like? He's like, oh, they're beautiful. I'm like, where are He's like, yeah, they're all women. I'm like, oh, okay. He's like, and this woman knows because her mom made pizza. Mm-hmm. And she knows because her mom's so this this woman who's brewing pito, you know, small like homebrew style, not commercial, not like packaged in the grocery store. Like you have to go to the little shop to you know like the stand, and you get it. And her grandma's been making it. And I was like, oh, did you ask them about you know like protein? How much protein's in the millet? Does she do a rest an hour in? You know, traditional brewing, you mash in your barley, you give it a rest, protein rest, so that you know, um, you don't have like gloopy runoff into the kettle, right? Like all that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And he's like, she didn't know anything about this. Um, but the product was good. And I was like, cool. I was like, just one product. He's like, yeah, like one product, like maybe once a year, instead of boiling for an hour, she boils for like three hours. And I was like, Oh, so like strong, like Pito, he's like, yeah, but strong is like going from like 2% ABV to like 4% ABV. And he just really broke it down for me. Cause I, I've never been to Ghana. I've never had Pito, mm-hmm. but I'm fascinated by it. Right. It's a folk beer. It's, it's mm-hmm. like one of those things that um, is a long tradition continuing. And I think in whatever culture, I love ancient cultures. If there's something today in 2022 that they were doing 500, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 years ago, I want to know about it. 
Mm. Like, I want to mm-hmm. know, like, what was it like in 22 AD, right? Because that's what we keep time. And I think, like, we, like, you know, Christian Westerners, right? Because mm. then you have the Jewish calendar, and then you have the Chinese lunar calendar. Like, once you start orienting yourself with ancient cultures, like, people kept time differently. Right. Like, right. right. And, and it's so wild to think about that too, but like tying it back to, you know, the continent of Africa, I so want to go, I so want to get there and see what's like, um, there's so much to learn. So I, I would have, I want the plug. I'm trying to collect as many plugs as possible. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I want to, he's, he's lived there too before. So like many years ago, but yeah, I, That'd be that'd be dope to plug you guys yeah. together. Now, now, do you, yeah. now, do you still do the what is it? The uh, uh, are you still the official brew tour guide of uh, a DC Brow, Brow? Or are you still the official tour guide? I'm not. I've left DC Brow, um, and DC Brow is in great shape. Uh, so I worked there from let's see, twenty. I think it was 2013 to 2020, maybe 2017 to 2020. So five to seven years okay. um but yeah I, I so just to orient the audience dc brow brewing company um was the first production brewery in dc since 1956 right the last brewery that made beer for grocery store shelves and restaurants and taverns whatever they closed in 56 and there was nothing till brow opened in 2011 mm. um i shouldn't say nothing there were brew pubs there still is like the district chop house um, Gordon beer sh- wrapped up shop and they were done. Um, but sort of similar to iron Hill, you're talking about iron Hill at the start of the show, iron Hill, right? Like they have yeah. one brew pub in, let's say Newark, Delaware, or let's say they have one brew pub in, you know, Delaware. Then the next one's in, I don't know, oh, outside man. of Philly and yeah. upper Darby or wherever the, right. Like, um, so that was the concept. Those pubs only made beer for on site and now like iron hill has grown where you can get iron hill cans right. you know they're made like in pa right. you know you buy them in delaware they're made in pennsylvania like that model didn't really translate to dc because i mean the because is the million dollar question but basically the district still does more in wine and liquor sales than it does in beer sales like if you look at the pie 100 percent, there's more wine and liquor than there is beer um which which is a bummer, but it's also a great opportunity for anybody that wants to open up shop in the district. Like you could convert the wine and, and liquor drinkers. Like, are you going to be the one you're going to take market share? Right? Mm-hmm. Why do they put the wine thing. and liquor together and not wine, liquor and beer? Why isn't they it all three? It separate? Why isn't it so, just wine, liquor and, and beer? Cause uh, wine tax. and liquor will always beat beer. When they it, are broken. You 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 raise a good point. They are broken out. So it is oh, wine, okay. one cat, one bucket, liquor, second okay. bucket, beer, gotcha. third bucket. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm no just bad. saying, writ large for everything that's not beer, and also cider. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cider falls under wine. You 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 pay a wine tax as a apple wine maker, right? Like, um, yeah. So I'm just saying, like, is it because it's fruit air. and not like a grain? Yes, uh, because fruit based. Isn't, yeah. Okay, because it's yep. still you still brew cider, right? Like that's still a brew in the brew family, but yeah, it's not. It's considered it. more wine than than beer. It, so yes, tax wise, hmm. it's tax like wine. You pay, you know, your vintners, your your winery tax. But to your point, 
there are way more breweries, especially in the Northwest, you know, Oregon, Washington state, even California, um, that make cider, right? Like if you walk into a brew pub, they're not making wine. They might have a cider on though that they themselves made. And that's because basically you press the apple juice, you get the juice from the apple, you hit it with yeast and then you have hard cider, you know? Um, Actually, in the time I left D.C. Brow, I worked for um, D.C.'s first winery since Prohibition, which is Ancho, A-N-X-O. And they were, um, they were, uh, they are a cider maker. So all they make is apple wine, you know. But yeah, like, it's just, it's another thing that's not beer. It's not wine. Like, how do we handle this? How do we deal with it? And then that goes back into the history, too, like a barrel of cider, like, hard cider right but like people get tripped up on it because you don't call it hard wine it's just wine right (laughs) so so those in the cider game are like well you have apple juice and you have cider and in their mind all cider is alcoholic there's no such thing as non-alcoholic cider so it's like these terms right like english is wait so apple cider Oh man, English is trash. It's a trash language. Yes, I couldn't wait for you to say that. I, I'm on you with that. So just trash, regular trash apple cider language. is not a thing. Like you know how people be having. Is it alcoholic? I don't think regular apple cider is alcoholic. Is it? it don't it's have alcohol. not. When you it's buy it from the orchard, right? You go to pick your own apples. You right. buy apple cider. It's just zero per zero point zero ABV, right? right? But what fruit juice wants to do is turn fruit is turn juice into alcohol. So the longer you hold it. In a in a container, it becomes a hard cider. Yeah, it, it gets right. that hard That's on. Right. It. Get that, that yeah. H-A-R-D on it. You really get that hard on. Put that hard on. Get that hard on. Yo, but going back to what what you said about the the difference in the the sales between beer and wine and liquor, to me yeah. that's odd because there's so many different choices of beer options out there and alcohol. There is, but, but then there is alcohol in um then there is you alcohol think so, in, though? Uh, see, yeah I, like there's it's so like, many different flavors and different like no no because all of all of wines and yeah I'm, I, I, I mean it's a lot all these, all these styles of, of beers and and flavors yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say that they, they compete wow. like nowadays I think they all are competing because like like Devin says you go to a wine cellar and they'll have like the whites and it'll be a whole room just oh, full just, of like just all of them it's just like then you go to the red many, many like, variations it's, it's like 100 and 200 it's like them. just the chardonnays this is just the chardonnay section you're like oh it's like three more categories of whites that i ain't seen yet mm-hmm. like i, I gotta pick through a hundred of chardonnays right. so like and then with, yeah. when you get rum you got the all the bacardis and then all the right. parrot bays and then all them shits and then when we get to yeah. the beer it's stouts but they have this type of style and the imperial style and, yeah, and this style got pumpkin in it and this style got I think they all crazy. Everybody trying to be more creative to sell and market their product. Going back, like I think Mike, Mike, maybe you can answer that. Like even like thirty years ago, it seems like it wasn't that many. Fla- like it wasn't no raspberry rum back thirty years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like now yeah. they're just trying to anything to get you to keep coming back. 
to, well, they, to I guess they're listening to the, yeah, they're listening to the market too, though, right? Because yeah, if they sure. see that you know so many sure. people like they're already taking the vodka and they're mixing it with the cranberry or they're mixing mm-hmm. it with it, the, they're like, so you why know don't what? put cranberry? Well, let's just already give it the flavor of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, let's right, just right. let them have it over ice. Let's make it. Like, let's, and then let's make a spritzer on top of that. Make, now right. we got make it a whole different vodka, variation. And we got cranberry in our vodka. You know, cranberry juice in the vodka already for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, so the question for 30, like, this is new. This hasn't been happening since, let's say, uh, like, you know, 1992, right? Mm-hmm, Which mm-hmm. is just 30 years ago. It Shit. feels like yesterday. Shit. Mm-hmm. All right, 92. How much rum are we talking about? Like, there are now, I know, because um, uh, there are a thousand plus distillers in the U.S., Right, I know there weren't a thousand distillers in 1992. I know there were less than because it's mm-hmm. grown. Now I know also that I had some Parrot Bay as a as a young one, right? Like before I knew that rum, like I thought all rum looked like vodka. I thought it was clear, and then I come to find out that there's rum. Like so, Pete, my colleague in Las Lagos, he's like, Mike, you go try this funky rum. I'm like, funky rum? Like what are you talking? About? He's like. All right, this is Jamaican single pot stilled, and it's got a little like, it's got that little juice on it that you. And so then he just hands it to me, and what's in the glass speaks for itself. Like, it's funky rum. This is unlike anything I've ever had. Now, if you handed this to me in 2002, right, like 10 years after 1992, I would have been like, "What the fuck is this? Like, this this is not Parrot Bay. This is not my my beloved vanilla blueberry fucking cranberry rum. Like, what?" Like, get this out of here, right? Like, so the palate evolves. And I think, like, we in America, anybody born from, let's say, like, I don't know, 1970 to 1990, like, you grew up in the corn syrup generation. Mm. Like, whatever you did as a youth, there were airheads or there was fun dip, fun sticks, uh, pixies, right? Like, all that fucking candy was corn sugar. Yes. Like we didn't know what the best me, way to eat corn. It's the best way to eat corn. Mm-hmm. Oh I, <laughs> there you go. Nice plug for uh, <laughs> yeah, like Mars Corp. If you're listening, mm-hmm. right. uh, exactly. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like you know, um, that stuff. Like what the real product. Like I tasted Airhead watermelon before I had real watermelon, and I tasted blue raspberry fun dip before I knew a blueberry and a raspberry were different fruits. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, right, right, right. And that's shame, shame. That's a shame. Too. That's a damn shame. But it is what it is. There's New York in the in the 80s, right? All that cement around you, no greenery. Oh man, it was. Yeah. Anyways, um, but so here, all, all right. Good. I just cracked. Canada. Hey, we're familiar with that. Okay. This is the only camel, uh, chamomile beverage, right? Like I can't find camel. I can find chamomile tea, right? right. But yes. there's no, there's no cider, you know, steeped with chamomile leaves. There's no rum with, maybe there is a rum with chamomile. My apologies if you make one, <laughs> but like <laughs> this is the only chamomile product. And so when I write up, Urban Garden at uh, I write for dcbeer.com in addition to the city paper I'm like yo this is a beer that tastes like beer but it also tastes like tea so if you really like tea and you're on the fence about beer just try this the whole idea is like getting new people like 
that palette will evolve. You will come into meaning in time, right? Like mm-hmm. the first time you ever pick up a text that's like 500, 600, 700 pages, it's probably the Bible or it's the Old mm-hmm. Testament or it's mm-hmm. the Quran, right? Like as a child, like whatever it is, or you see the Odyssey or you see, you know, the Iliad, like that shit is dense and you're mm-hmm. never really going to get it until you learn to read. So you have to learn to read. <laughs> right, like, like, like true. you that's can't true. get the knowledge in this text until you can look at the words and be like, "Oh, that's a sentence. That, that means yep. something. Mm-hmm. Let me figure mm-hmm. out what that means." Right, like, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Without, like, we all come into it wherever we are. Right, mm-hmm. like, some folks as a teenager, some people, you know, twenty-one year olds, whatever. But your palate mm-hmm. at twenty-one is not your palate at thirty-one, right. forty-one, fifty-one. Right, like, right. it evolves. Yeah. Um, yeah. So lost loggers. Let's just let's set set the tone for us or set the mood for us. You guys are a you guys brew beer, so you guys are like a small establishment. You guys got a, a brick and mortar. You guys uh, tap room. Like, give me the give me the scene. Yeah, Lost so Lodgers. we're it's it's all contract only. We don't own a brewery. Okay, we don't we don't own. Um, like in the case of Urban Garden, they have a retailer's license. In the case of Sankofa, they are retailers mm-hmm. legally by ABRA, the mm-hmm. Alcohol Beverage Regulatory Administration in D.C. Mm-hmm. We don't own any of that. So it's all okay. on whatever brewery we're partnering with to gotcha. sell that beer. Gotcha. Uh, and then if they have a budget, we will gladly take a check, PayPal, Venmo, whatever you got. So you know, Pete's day job is, is a professional researcher. Um, mm-hmm. For me, this is it. It's all beer history all the time. I'm a freelance writer, so yep. I'm looking for the next paid gig. Um, beer history then with Lost Lagers comes as a secondary gig where it's like, all right, whatever is keeping the lights on, paying the water bill, that's number one. Mm-hmm. And then all of the beer history comes second. That being said, I'm so passionate about beer history, I can't get it out of my head. So we might as well try to have a an agreement with whoever we're working with that that will be paid for our time will be compensated um but that was it pete and i decided you know years ago that we did not want to own a brewery um that it was hard enough as it is to just maintain lost loggers uh projects without having you know the big project of 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 being an entrepreneur and i love breweries don't get me wrong i'm thrilled there's over nine thousand now in, in the u.s like that's amazing, but it's just, excuse me, too much work for everything we have on our plates right now. You can't consult or collab if you have your own brewery because you're doing all the recipes. Like, I feel like Lost Loggers would be the 1911 brew, the 1865 Emancipation brew, the all these different breweries from past. So you can't do your collaborations. You can't consult if you have a brick and more. It feels like it's kind of hard to do both yeah because you'll be doing it, your own thing yeah. yeah like why why would i give you give you this recipe right. i'm gonna yeah. brew it myself yeah it's a solitary up brewing yeah your company is number one and mm-hmm. that's it and mm-hmm. yeah you might go to another brewery to, to collaborate once a year you're going to work with somebody else for let's say barrel and flow and that's wonderful but for me for me and pete it's about disseminating the information hitting yes. up as many yes. people like we are effectively the plug we want to mm-hmm. get you what you need Right. And you never talked to this brewer in Baltimore? Oh, let me just send an email. But don't wonder, this guy like, not to cut you off, but it just made me think we was talking like, so when you guys consult with these breweries, like, 
and provide them all this information and these recipes, like, are they, is there any, is there, are they doing anything to display this information to their customers? Like, like when the you history go part, into you the, mean the history part. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. To their customers. That's a great question. That's a great question. So for the customer immediately, if it's on the can, you'll see it on the can. Like um, we work with Dynasty Brewing in uh, Ashburn, Virginia. And it says, beer recipe developed by Lost Lager in consultation with Lost Lagers. And every time you buy a bottle of Dynasty beer, we did, um, they actually worked with uh, Mount Vernon. You can go to Mount Vernon and buy a bottle of Dynasty. Um, it's like, you know, the, the home of George Washington and, right. and Hercules and all these people that were there. Like mm-hmm. you will see us on the label. So nice. then you know, okay, Lost Lagers, like, I can, I can hit them up, right? Like you go to our website, contact information's right there. So it's in the marketing in some cases. In other cases, you know, this happened much more before the pandemic because, you know, draft beer, keg beer was flying off the draft lines before 2020. Um, we might consult with somebody and not be on the packaging at all, not be on the website at all. And so why would we do that? because we had another project coming down the pike or because we wanted a relationship build. Right. And so we're trying not to do that anymore where it's just like, you know, free information just to, just to better your product. But it is definitely still a passionate thing where if like, we want to make some beer, um, it's just, it's just to to get it made just to get it done. Right. Like, and those are kind of the two, polar opposite ends of the spectrum that I struggle with. Like I want to brew beer and I want to see this recipe made. So I'm just going to give it to you versus like time is money and my time is money. So I should be paid. If nothing else, I should be on the can right. mm-hmm. on the website. You link to my website so that the customer, when they buy this beer, they know this yes. is our yeah. blood, sweat and tears that went into this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something I struggle with all the time. But I'm just yeah. thinking like, so if I see uh, like the information on the, the beer can, Right. And I don't know what lost lagers is like. I don't know as a as a person that just likes to drink beer, if I'm going to go hunt for what lost lagers is. Right. And right. So as a person I, that just likes to drink beer, just to keep help you out, Yoda, I would want to know them because <laughs> most most people who like to drink beer would like to know where it came from history. and the history yeah. of it. So, like, I hear what you're saying, like, how besides just the name. Yeah, like, I'm thinking, they, like, is there, like, any point where the can has, like, some of the history where that, where that, um, that ingredient. Presented that, to you by yeah, Lost pre- yeah, yeah, presented to you by Lost Loggers. It showed me right there on the can when I grab it. Because people, don't get, or, don't get me wrong, people or, always read the can. Or is it surrounded by so the event? Like, or is it surrounded by an event where yeah, you or, give the history? Yeah, of where they the, explain uh, that. The or is there a QR code on the can? So I right, can something like that. Because I just feel like all this work and then like you giving all this history and then the customer doesn't know it. Only the 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 actual brewery knows it. Yeah. Um, so the best example, last summer we did um, a dark lager called Kumbacher. And so this was a style that was brewed uh, before Prohibition, after Prohibition, we did this with Dynasty. Um, shout out to Fabio Garcia, who's the owner of Dynasty. But so on the side of the can, I'll just read you. You can get this on like untap. I'll, I'll drop a screenshot in the chat. But um, hoppy dark lager in the Kuhlenbacher style, hopped with Pearl Tetanang and Zotz hops, brewed with locally grown Pilsner Vienna and caramel and dark malts. And then underneath that, Lost Lagers, Michael Stein and Peter Jones, provides old recipes to drink makers. 
This prohibition era recipe comes from a museum's archive. Check out lostloggers.com for more information. Okay. All right. right. So, yeah. like, it's yeah. that's that's in there. I think the way you were saying it earlier, Mike, it was just like lost loggers helped. Right, yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, me drinking wine. them. Cool names. Yeah, now I'm like, oh, okay, let me go on and see what I need to get some there you go. Cool name. Go put that can in the recycle. I'm done with it. Like, right, right. Now I'll bring this can to my desk. Although, a QR... Could, oh yeah, that would be it. like a little icing yeah, on the yeah, cake. Could be the yeah, cherry on yeah, top, yeah, right yeah, along yeah. with and, that. And now that now that that's like the new, that's the new form yeah, of, of, of identification. In, yeah, you know, that's your that's your business anyway. card. So, and I'm talking about Mike going to the brewery, and when they put the QR code on your can, on the can, it just comes up with, with your shit. With your, it don't have nothing yeah. to say that the brewery is just your shit, and it gives but, all the history about that particular beer and directions to y'all's website. And all that type, like what y'all collab, how y'all collab. Maybe y'all say we collab with the brewery this way, but it's basically Lost Loggers did this shit. This is our QR code. That hit, and oh, I'm so on board, that, man. Yeah, I'm in me favor too. Of QR me too. Ten percent. I hate ten percent on that QR. Click on that QR, and it's the same shit that's right there on the can. Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I want the back story. Like, right, 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 right. It definitely got to be more involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now it's the same. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I took, so that's why, I took like, my time to go here, and now y'all, y'all just right. copied and pasted. Like, give me more. Give me that's more. Yeah. Like, reward me. I have an mm-hmm. interest. Mm-hmm. I sought mm-hmm. it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, right. Give me that granularity. Yeah. And see, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Like, I, I want it. I want it to be. I want to be able to get that that history of this this style or whatever mm-hmm. the ingredients in this like how like why goes, or even like, or why, even why are these yeah. guys lost loggers collab who are who is lost loggers collabing why did they what are, what are they about but like what yoda said if you click the qr code or you say it on the can what you just read like yeah we definitely know who you guys yeah. are so that's no yeah. sure, sure. I, I just think it's there's so much information like it's better just to plunk it down right on the can. And it's funny y'all mm-hmm. brought this up. Pete and I are going on right now. Pete and I have an email thread with this with this Maryland brewer. And I'm like, lostloggers.com. Just put it on there. And Pete's like, well, if people are interested, they'll know. So just say Michael Stein of Lost Loggers. <laughs> so we're going back and forth on this right now. Like, this <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael Stein of lostloggers.com. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. There it is. There it is. Right, right. I Settle. Tell you, I cannot compensate you for this. <laughs> Just look, a beer, a beer. Look, no, you a know beer. what? You know what? This is this goes to my last question, and you can do this for us right now. We're collabing when you do the Delaware beer, but what I wanted to know uh, is, and you can do it with the Delaware as an example with the Delaware collab. Like, how do you put focus on a brewery in that particular state, and how do you give that brewery the recipe? Like, is it is it a, a total collaboration where the brewery comes together with you guys and says, we want this? Or are y'all like, we're going to reach out to this brewery there in Delaware. We want to we want to have them this be the, the Delaware State beer for Lost Loggers. How do you go about picking the brewery or whatever? Because you got 20 states. Yeah. You got 21's look. That's the 21st yeah. state will yeah. be Delaware. We usually the first, yeah. but you know how it goes. Uh, <laughs> but I'm, call, I'm calling it right now. Yeah, they didn't even start here. Like, that's weird. Right. Like, right. Right. <laughs> very strange. But so we can get 21st. We could be the 21st one. So it could be Lost yeah. Loggers, Brews and Banter, Collaboration. With, we know a bevy of breweries in this state. We can get you there one. You but how do you, you go about 
like the, the actual question is how how is the process of picking the state picking the state brewery at matching up a beer with them and how does that actual process go that's a great question and if and if we're really going to workshop it i would be like all right you go to a dozen breweries let's say you know um three in three months you visit a dozen breweries right every weekend you go to another one mm-hmm. you're buying beer from them you have a good relationship mm-hmm. um I would just be like, which do you like the best? Who makes the best product? Let's go there. Right. That's a purely on based on what's in the glass, who's making the best beer. Let's go ask them. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then outside of that, I would have different choices. Right. But there you go. Well, there's the list. I think me and Rob might have the same. You think so? Okay. Okay. Go ahead. We'll talk behind. Nobody needs to know that. No, no one needs to know that. That was a good, that's a good, that's a good process. Yeah, I keep don't want to have going. the goat conversation of the, the goat <laughs> Delaware brewery right now. Like, I'm not trying to do that, but but then I'll say, after that, it's like, who are you closest with? And whatever mm-hmm. brewery you're tightest with, they're probably gonna have a passion. Be like, this podcast is wonderful. We want to put this podcast on our can. Let's cook it up, and then you go and and you t- and you talk shop, right? Like, well, we know IPAs do really well, but yo, our second best seller is a lager. Like, what can we do with lager? Um, and I'll say too, we've come into it from the um, capitalistic mercenary side. Like, we have a story to tell. We want to be paid for this story. Let's put it in a beer, and then we blasted that out to a dozen breweries. Crickets, just nothing, right? When you lead with like. Hey, I'd love to be paid for this. It's really like times are tough, budgets tight. Right. Sorry, right. you know. Mm-hmm. But when you leave with it, like I have something that you want. I have information that you've never heard before, and I have Try to a dozen brewers. Or... I have the top twelve brewers selling craft lager. You know, small independent brewers selling lager in the DC metro. You want to know how they do it? So it depends, like, what your sales technique is, yeah. too, right? Like, mm-hmm. is it purely for the love or is it, you know, for the mm-hmm. dough? Right. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then you evaluate based on that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, for me, I would just ask you really informally, like, what's your favorite? Right. Why? Sure. Okay, yeah. well, mm-hmm. I, I'm an IPA head and I love hoppy beers. And this is the best hoppy beer in Delaware, in my humble opinion. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Like, Let's go here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now we could talk to uh, Mike all day, it seems, but we don't want to hold you for too much longer. But uh, we yeah, wanna... Mike got a lot. He's two beers in. He's two beers in. Yeah, Mike, you need, come... <laughs> Mike, you need to come back within six months. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here. I for like it. this history up. stuff. We, mm-hmm. we want to thank Mike Whatever for coming up on the podcast for sure. Yeah, definitely. Very interesting. <laughs> Lost Lockers has a lot of uh, information and. Uh, uh, those beer styles. How about some ales and and lagers and all all, all historical things? Um, we always we want to thank you for that. But before we go, we always like to know how people can uh, find uh, you and what what Lost Lagers is all all about, what they what their upcoming projects and all that kind of stuff. So, how can people find you on these worldwide webs, these social medias, all that good stuff? Yeah, good question. So check out lostloggers.com. We're very active on Twitter, probably the most active on Twitter at Lost Loggers. Same thing on Instagram, uh, at Lost Loggers. And uh, if you give us a follow on the socials, check out the website. Um, we got our newsletter sign up. You can sign up for the newsletter. But really just if you follow us on the socials, you'll know the next project's coming down the pike. Um, like I said, Key Brewing out of, out of Maryland, Dundalk, Maryland will be the next one. And obviously, I'm going to have to send you a few cans of that 
for your mm. uh, recommendations now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Payment in kind, if you will. Yes. yes. Um, Thank you, kind then, sir. In kind. Yeah. Yeah, fam. So, Bruce mm-hmm. and Banter in the next six months, uh, tune in. Right. Yes. Nice to be yeah. back. Hope to talk to mm-hmm. you gentlemen again. Yeah. Yes. That's perfect. That's perfect. All right, Def. Well, you can find me and, and on Instagram. <laughs> are we doing? We doing? We doing? What are we doing? Yeah, but you Yo, got so close to like, <laughs> Oh, I got so. I'm about to say you threw me off. Like I was in a. Like I was in a scene. What was happening? You didn't like my. You didn't like my close up. Close up was crazy. So well, my bad. Go ahead. I'm sorry. There you go. <laughs> well, once again, you can find me on Instagram at Dev Drinks Craft Brew, or you can e- email me. At devdrinkscraftbrew.bruiseandbander.com. What about the fuck it up? <laughs> All right, yo. You can find me on IG at IM302YODA. That's right. it. All right, Lou. <laughs> uh, my name is Lou Belgium. I'm on them Instagram. <laughs> I like it. See? Right. <laughs> and you can find Bruising Banter Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Bruising Banter Podcast. You can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can even say Alexa Play, Bruising Banter Podcast, because we're on Amazon Music. And you also can check us out on iHeart and Pandora uh, uh, for sure. You can go to www.bruisingbanter.com and find out all that information as well as get merch if you want to support the podcast that way. It's always good to like and subscribe and and smash that like button and all that good stuff and get notified when uh, we come live or when we drop a new episode. You can follow me, Rob G, Rob Stay Bruising. There it is. Bing, 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 bing. Um, One again, want to thank uh, Mike Stein from Lost Lagos for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Until next time, this has been episode 179. 179. Whoa. Yeah. All right. Peace. Have a good week, City with it. Jitty done been all across the globe. They say Jitty scribbler, he's silly with it when he spit it. I hope he don't sell his soul. He should be good, man. He signed a cold. He from the hood, looking down the road. He would just jugging right by the stove. Then they saw the patrol, it was time to roll. Saw the patrol, it was time to ride. Motor running on Memorial Drive. Got a country cousin cruising with the MIA in Savannah.